Welcome back to the Seattle Sports Union Podcast. My name is Abraham Deweese. I'm back with the Ram Richard A. Michelson. And we're talking some World Cup and soccer action. And Rich, let's dive right into this. 1-0 against Iran. Was that is what you expected? Iran or Iran. Iran? Iran. You know, actually, that's a Whatever. good point that you make. No, it's it's good because uh, um, oh, I'm trying to remember which player was asked. It was Adams. It was it was about Tyler racism. Adams, who's the who's the captain. You know the story um, I'm talking about. You tell the people out there. He was, I believe, yeah. the question was he was asked about racism, and he had a really good reply. He had a really good reply, which was that there's discrimination and. Uh, you know, everywhere that he goes and that he really likes his job because he gets to meet people from all over and learn more about them. And then that um, helps fight against uh, discrimination. Basically. Yeah. I think that was his, that was well, big well the, so. the cool whip on top was uh, that he said, uh, you know, and then you got you guys being the uh, Iranian uh, media. Mm -hmm. I learned mm -hmm. from you just now that it's pronounced Iran instead of Iran. Yeah, uh, yeah. So he did a good job with the the de-escalation. Yeah. Speaking of good job, Utah or not Utah, <laughs> United States <laughs> men's uh, national team beat Iran one nil. I think we were kind of worried about this last week, weren't we? Yeah. I mean, um, see, I'm going to say it wrong. Um, <laughs> Iran. Iran um, <laughs> is the is the perfect type of team. Uh, they're, they're basically like all the teams we've played in CONCACAF, except for Mexico and Canada. Basically, they're going to sit back in a defensive structure and just absorb pressure and then hit, try to hit the United States on a counterattack when the United States sends too many guys forward. That was the plan. And they had a couple of chances, but um, the United States has practiced breaking down these teams. And the crucial hinge point of this game is the goal. Let's go to the goal, Abe. Um the Pulisic, was, the Pulisic goal in 36 minutes. Pulisic goal. Um, was that a special so, goal or not? I mean, like, I, I'm just, I kind of got wrapped up in that goal. That goal was special. It's the single best move that this group of players has done in the last four years. Okay. I mean, basically. Yeah. It's at the World Cup. It's beautiful soccer. Okay. And it starts with this pinpoint pass from our goalkeeper. So, Here's something that people say is like, oh, you know, once a player is 24, 25 years old, they can't get any better in, in, in professional soccer, which is a bunch of hooey. Matt Turner leaves the New England Revolution, goes to Arsenal, sits on the bench for five months, and all of a sudden he's pinging out pinpoint passes like he's Manuel Neuer, who's the like world-class goalie for, for Germany. He's, he's known as the sweeper keeper um, because he's so good with his feet and um, he plays like an, like a, like a German sweeper from the seventies. Um, and so uh, Matt Turner hits this just beautiful pass, which then starts the United States, not a counterattack, but I'll call it a fast break or a, a medium break. I don't know what to call it. A transition moment, if you will, against uh, an Iran uh, an Iran defense <laughs> that is not set. They're not, they're, they're unbalanced now. And so the ball actually goes all the way to the left side, comes all the way back to Turner, back up into the midfield, back to the, to the left side, back to the right side, ends up at the feet of Weston McKinney, who hits this perfect chip ball over the defense to Serginio Dest, the right back who has come up on, on offense. And he hits this, this beautiful header across across the goal 
uh, into the dangerous point. And Pulisic, um, who is doing the thing that he does best, which is not be on the ball. He's doing an off-the-ball run. He's doing that back cut for the basketball fans that need an analogy here. And he, he gets to the spot. He gets to the ball. He crashes the box. He pays a physical price because he's like 5'10", maybe 130. And he's crashing into a man that's like 6'3", probably 220. Um, and he loses that confrontation, but he scores a goal. Um, but what it is, is it was using the ball to unbalance the opponent. Yeah, it was it was a really fantastic goal. Now I want to flip it to the other side, Iran, in that, I would say the last 15 to maybe 20 minutes. I I have a I have a what if uh bounce around in my brain. Their attack was really good when they decided, oh, we gotta pour it on. What if they had not decided to play for the tie early on and just put the pressure on right off the bat? Because I, I thought there were a lot of good chances, especially in uh extra time. Um you're right. They they were able to generate um uh, more chances. Um, but also the flip side of that is the United States had like four counterattack opportunities in that period of time. Let's say the last 15 minutes plus the, the added time where really the United States should have scored another goal, in my opinion, just with their, their opportunities and the quality of players on the, on the field. Uh, Haji Wright came on. He's the, one of the backup strikers. Um, well, you're talking about the, what was it? 97th minute or something like that. Something like that. But where... he, he came on and squandered a couple of chances. Um, there's one up, where, no, there's one earlier than that. No, I was thinking, that. Who, who am I thinking Josh of? Sargent. I was thinking about like somebody was coming up from the left is about the 97th minute. So just time about to Shaq expire. Moore. You're yeah. About Shaq yeah. Moore. And he just kind of, honestly, I thought he should have just pulled out, even though he had one-on-one against the goalie. Yeah. And just tried to should kill have taken time, it to but, the corner. Yeah. Take it to the corner, hold the ball. Okay. But I so see what you mean. That's one of the counter strikes you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's the other thing. Um, is that, that Haji Wright just, I don't understand what he was doing and why he, what he was doing was, was poor, right? So Josh Sargent is the, the number nine. And he's, he's a guy that a lot of people are going to criticize because he doesn't score a ton of goals. But what he is, is a, a, a pressing forward. He will press the back line and generate chances for his teammates by causing turnovers. And then um, he also will lead the attack and he did that several times where he acted like the point guard uh, most most uh, center forwards are are the main strike strike guy and he's he's good at that he's just not world class at that he's not as good as a lot of other players are on our, on our team at scoring so he's very good at playing with Pulisic and Tim Tim Wea to try to um, get those two wingers to be the the main attacking force do you think um, the US do you think came the U- out injured and and, the, uh, and that's one of the reasons the United States actually gave up so many chances is that Haji Wright did not press the back line. So then Iran was able to find open guys with no pressure on the ball. Do, do you think that the U.S. in the, as long as we've been watching soccer, so for, you know, last 30 whatever years, some odd years, um, I feel like they've lacked a true center forward in the respect of what you might see from a Brazilian or a French or, mm-hmm. a, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, German player. Like I, I don't, I don't feel like we've ever had the, uh, like for Sounders fans, uh, Raul Ria Diaz is very good at being the center forward. Granted that's at the MLS level and not at the, you know, world right. level. 
But I don't think we've had that kind of guy ever, really. Donovan, not I mean, even Donovan. No, Donovan's a winger, so he's more or a, a second forward. He's 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 his job is to do darting uh, runs across and through, like slash through the defense and score. Which like, is that's, exactly that's, that's what, what he did. Which is exactly what Dempsey was as well. Yeah, exactly what Dempsey was at his best, and exactly what um, Pulisic is, right? Yeah. Um, I was gonna. Uh, there was a guy that was uh, Clint Mathis, I think maybe. Um, but 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 you're going back to like mid '90s to find a guy like that. Yeah. Okay. Um. No, I mean you're right. The the offensive thrust has really come out of the wings for the United States the last 25 years. Uh, is that um, by is that by strategic design or is that just a type of player that is very rare and only comes out of. I think it's rare. I mean, how many, how many teams in the world, professional teams, right? Um, forget national teams, just professional teams in the world have a center forward who can play and do all the quote unquote, true center forward stuff, play back to the ball, also run behind the back line, do hold up play, interlink with guys, do, do combination play, shoot from long, hit free kicks, hit penalties, you know, do all the stuff, dirty stuff in the box, hit headers. I mean, it's, it's, it's an insane combination of skills for that, you know, like uh, Ronaldo, the original Ronaldo from Brazil in the, in the nineties. Right. Um, or even the current Ronaldo, but even the current Ronaldo isn't a true center forward. He's a, he's a, a winger. He's a second forward. Messi isn't a true center forward. I mean, he does all the stuff except for the headers. Um so, I mean, finding a guy like that is really, really hard. Probably the closest thing in world football right now to that would be uh, the Belgian center forward, Romelu Lukaku. And he just his team just crashed out of the World Cup. So, um, in part because <laughs> he was hurt. Um, he's their best player. But um, also because of mismanagement. Man, um, uh, we can get into that if you if you want to. But uh, or we can stay <laughs> focused on the U.S. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But in the center forward uh, – traditionally called a striker i i don't mm-hmm. think like i think that's a 90s definition i don't know if that's the current definition of what a striker really is but you know great let's talk about let's talk about the u.s men's national team let's talk about pulisic pulisic obviously injured um i for our basketball fans out there i feel like other teams play uh hack-a-shack um where they try to beat him up because he's a smaller guy. He's prone to getting beat up. Yep. Am I deserved to be outraged or is, is that just soccer at this level? Like it's, it's soccer at this level. It's, it's soccer at the premier league where he plays. He, he touches the ball. He gets smacked every single week in the premier league. So it's not anything he's not used to. It's just that for whatever reason, he is not, he is not, achieved a level of maturity when he plays for the United States when he wears our colors to let the game come to him. He is at his best when he is like Reggie Miller or Steph Curry coming off a screen. When mm-hmm. he lets the play come to him and is finally at the very last moment, the one to shoot the ball. Okay. When he tries to play hero ball, like Steph Curry, you know, when he shoots from 35 feet, you know, or whatever. Right. Or he tries to do what Kobe did at the end of basketball game is the height of Kobe's awesomeness, right? 
or you know even LeBron at, at his powers, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to take the ball. I'm going to take the last shot. I'm going to I'm going to hog the ball. You cannot do that in soccer. You cannot do that. Soccer is a weak link sport. You attack the enemy's weakest link, and that's how you win. Basketball is a strong link sport. If you have the best player, you're probably going to win. Soccer, if you have the worst player, you're probably going to lose. Understood, but I mean, there's obviously a difference between Pulisic and Harry Kane of Tottenham or Mbappe sure. from uh, Paris Saint-Germain. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they don't, I don't know. I, I don't feel like they go down as easily when they get they, the they don't go down as easily. And I mean, I don't know if that's just how he's been trained or if he really is as weak as I think it's it a seems size. when he gets I think it's a size thing. Like, I mean, part of it is a size thing. Um, part of it is that he's been targeted, but also part of it, he makes really stupid decisions sometimes hmm. with when he's on the ball, instead of like passing and moving and making sure he can't get hit. He sometimes just tries to dribble three or four guys. And that's what you're talking about. The Steph Curry. He tries to take everything by himself then. Yeah. But see, Steph Curry is good enough to do it. And Pulisic is not. Pulisic is not messy. I mean, Messi has literally like dribbled by 10 guys and juked the goalkeeper out of his shoes and then walked the ball into the goal before. Like Messi is insane like that, but Pulisic is not that good. He's not even close to that good. But he's the best we got. And he right? should know that. Well, yeah, he's our best player. But again, he is at his best when he does that late arriving run into the box or does a combination where he works with his teammates. When he tries to dribble by himself, he's not that good. Hmm. So he really he's needs not good enough. So he really needs help. He really needs help from uh, from the center and uh, from whatever yeah. back is coming up. I mean, behind him and he doesn't need a lot of help but there was a game i remember uh like five years ago and uh pulisic had a great game he had like two goals and two assists it was a national team game um but he he had uh clint dempsey to play off of and then he had another um i want to say it was uh sebastian question to play off of so he had guys that were really good playmakers to play off of right Mm -hmm. and so then he got to be the star but it it wasn't that he did it by himself it it was the combination of them kind of knowing what each other is going to do kind of like the best of clint dempsey and obafemi martins when they were running thing running riot in 2014 like they just could read each other's brains by themselves they weren't i mean they were good they were really good but they weren't great but it was it was like super greatness when the two of them were combining. I'm trying to remember. I it's going back one conversation. I was trying to remember who I was thinking of that was uh way bigger and that's Erling Holland for Man City. Oh yeah. And I'm like there's there's a guy that's like really hard to take down and um oh, I think, yeah. I think maybe Absolutely. Pulisic tries to play bigger than himself. Question for you about this Saturday though. Will Pulisic be available for that Netherlands game? I would guess he's available. Uh, whether he starts, I'd say probably really depends on how his his just how he feels, right? Um, who would you Burkhalter, put in? Who, who would you um, put in there? If I mean, I I'm kind of like ah, fingers crossed, Jordan Morris. And eh, no, yeah. I would love to see no? Jordan Morris yes. in a situation like that. But here here is the thing: if if Josh Sargent is healthy, he's going to start. Okay. At center forward, if Pulisic is healthy, he will start at left left for uh, left wing uh you know whatever you want to call it left midfield um 
And if uh, Tim Way is, is healthy, he's going to start at right right wing. But this is put all your best players you out there. To, this is yeah, put all your, put best, your players. best players out. Okay. Yeah. Um, Sargent really might not be healthy. And so then that, coupled with Pulisic maybe not being 100%, maybe he's only half, you know, maybe he's only 50, you know, not 50, but, you know, 70% or whatever he can go, but not the whole game. So do you bring him on as a sub later to kind of run at tired legs type of a thing, right? Yeah. So I think Brendan Aronson starts at left left wing, uh, in, in place of Pulisic. He's he's shown a spark. He's really good at left wing. He's not so good in the midfield. He's not disciplined enough to do the possession thing that Burhalter wants to do. And and Aronson has come up in the Red Bulls system, uh, uh, first in New York, then Salzburg. Now um, uh, he's over in, in Leeds in the Premier League. But they play a a Red Bull style system of high press, high energy. They don't want the ball. What they want to do is smash you in the mouth, steal the ball from you and run down your throat with like two passes and score a goal. Is that part that's of Burkhalter's uh, uh, no, vertical no, game? No, that's not what Burhalter wants to do at all. Burhalter wants to play he, he has a vertical game, right? Around. Yeah. Yeah, he wants the vertical game. He's, he's not opposed to like someone, you know, tackling a player and starting a, a, a fast counterattack, but that's not the, the plan. Whereas like Red Bull plan literally is here, you take the ball, we're going to put you in bad spots defending and then uh, with the, when you have the ball and then we're going to attack from that. That sounds like okay? a stupid Portland Timbers strategy. No, it's, it's, um, <laughs> you remember those Red Bull teams that were like really, really good for a few years? I, I do, but Portland kind of pulls that's, that crap on us. Portland pulls well, no, that no, crap so on us Portland, too. Portland is thugging. Okay. Yeah. Like the, the Red Bull system at its best is not okay. It's Red more, it's more technical. Is it's more technical. Ozzy Alonso thieving the ball off of somebody and starting a, like an awesome counterattack. Sure. That's it's, it's more Red technical than it is bullying then. Yes. I mean, they, it's physical, but it's not just kicking the guys in the shins. Like what Diego Chara does to the Sounders, like every single time they play. Hey, let's take a look at uh, the Netherlands for a second here. Uh, they have a world-class uh, mid-defender, mid uh, Virgil van Dijk. I, I hope I pronounced uh, that name right. Virgil van Dijk, yeah. Central Dijk, defender. okay. He, he won World Player of the Year, the Ballon d'Or, a couple of years ago. Yeah. He plays for Liverpool. He's amazing. Um, our offense hasn't been that great. Is this a case of we're facing the world's best defender? Uh, and their goalie's not that bad either. Two clean sheets here in the World Cup. Is this a case where if we get a goal we're lucky um i don't think so so the dutch are good but they've also missed world cups in the last like they missed the, the world cup uh in 18 i believe along with us um so they're it's it's not like this team is world beaters okay they're they're good they won uh you know they, they got out of qualifying in europe which is not easy but um they have weaknesses they can be attacked um well van dyke is very good they're their uh, fullbacks are not great. The U S fullbacks are better. Hmm. Um, they don't really have a, a, a great central uh, defensive midfielder to stop attacks. Um, and the, the Dutch sometimes get pass happy. Like sometimes you just, if you're open, you should shoot. And right. the Dutch have the problem of trying to get too cute, trying to make that extra pass. Sometimes when what you should do is just shoot, shoot the ball hard at, at the goal. And um, for the last uh, 25 years or so, the Dutch have also kind of stopped being good at the other skills you need in soccer, like being physical, like being fast, 
mm-hmm. um, like um, you know, uh, they 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 they've prized passing, but not necessarily passing creativity, right? You know, a dribbling people was kind of frowned is upon. It, oh, wait, hang, not, hang on, I mean, but isn't that the Dutch style? I mean, there's uh, yeah, kind of there, there's a but, Brazilian style, right? They're not going to play boring defense, right? They're not going to play a boring oh, game. The Dutch yeah, are not going to play boring soccer. Yeah, they are. Look at um Louis Van Paul when he went when he went to Man United, okay? Um so uh Sir Alex Ferguson retired and he had his his chosen guy whose name is escaping me for right now, um who got fired after like a season and a half. And they brought in Louis Van Hall and it was like 3 years of incredibly boring soccer. Really? At Man United with the with like I don't know, one of the five best rosters in world football in the professional level. It was incredibly slow, plodding, precise. It's, it was like watching the Sounders when they get into the the the, the horseshoe of death, where the ball just goes yeah. up to the right wing and then back around and then back around. No creativity, no offensive thrust. It was uh, it was it was dreadful. Okay, so Terrible. am I living? Am I living in the past of the days of Bergkamp? Van yes. Sar, Pers- Rob because Van Persie from Arsenal, or even Reichard. that Dutch team, that Dutch team that lost to Spain in 2010. Mm-hmm. that had Aaron Robin and um, I think Van Persie. Van Persie, yeah, yeah. I mean, so so Robin and Van Persie kind of are, are the Dutch at their best, which is offensive brilliance and incredible passing. But but isn't Cody but also that Cody that Gapko individual is, moment? Isn't Cody Gapko just, that kind of guy? No, no, don't, don't, don't. He's not even in the conversation. He might become that guy. He looked really Maybe. good. He looked really good. I mean, he, I, I mean, guess, granted, I am. Like, I've only seen him with the national team. I've never seen him in. He's yeah. in Bundesliga, right? I've never really seen him. Yeah, yeah. Back I've there, never but, really seen him play. But to, to compare him to Robin and Birdcamp and oh, I'm not uh, saying that. And, I just you know, I, I just can't think of the Dutch team without flair. And you're saying that they're going to play. A more boring. They have not. Style. They've been very boring to watch the hmm. last ten years. Okay. Really, I mean, just not, not anything exciting. Well, that's disappointing. Speaking of disappointing, <laughs> uh, our friends. No, no, watch. They go ahead and put three goals on. Yeah, the they just slop three in the first ten minutes. Super soccer. Um, <laughs> speaking of speaking of uh, uh, disappointing though, uh, the Welsh team, our friends at Swans uh, Swans Cast. Yeah. Um, not much there, and. I kind of wonder because I can draw against the U.S. Mm-hmm. I feel like they had some good s- starters, but their bench looked really bad. Like mm-hmm. it did not look like a world class bench, and I could see why. Like they didn't make it against Iran, Iran, and uh, UK. I mean, like I'm, it, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I'm disappointed most for our friends at Swanscast is that, um, is that Wales wasn't able to step up against England and given the, give their best performance. I, I feel like they played a lot worse than their talent, even though they are an inferior team as far as just the players that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, I was hoping to see something kind of like that, um, that Iceland team uh, in the Euros a, a, a couple times back that was able to make a run that I think is semifinals and play really disciplined, you know, and, and kind of, um, and Wales, and Wales did that against Poland and Ukraine uh, yeah, over this last yeah. Uh, spring. Yeah. And so I'm, but I'm, they were I'm disappointed that we didn't get to see the best of Wales, yeah. I guess is, is my point. Agreed. 
um, and and they obviously just fell completely flat against uh, Iran in their in their match against Iran, and that really. I think that uh, they gave up that first goal against England, and then I think they just got in their own heads. And because some of the some of the other goals that that England scored were just weak, like no excuse to to be able to score a goal like that. Just def- defensive lapses, really bad goalkeeping. I think it was a it became a kind of a mental breakdown there, from what I saw. So, uh, getting a little bit towards the end of our show here, so I got to get this, got to get these in here. Bigger disappointment: Germany mm-hmm. out or Mexico out? I mean, it's got to be Germany. I mean, the 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 they have four World Cups, champions four World Cups. I think they've won the Euros three or four times as well. Um, they were world champions eight years ago. You would think that, you know, especially with with that being said, that they would they would have been able to bounce back. But uh, I think hubris. Um, both at the at high level, but also on the on the field at the tactical level, the players. I don't know. Like they just, I, I watched that game. You today. called it though. You called it last week. You said these yeah. guys are not getting out of this. I, I, I well, I mean the, the the percentages are really against you if you lose your first game. I mean that's just just the way it is. But it, it is. But who saw you who have, saw Japan? You have, who's, hang on a second. Who saw Japan yeah. beating Spain though? Like I didn't. I didn't either. Not, not I mean, me. I no thought way. Germany thought like, okay, we got this, you know, but. So what, what Japan did is remarkable. Just really quick. I'm going to, I'm going to expound. Japan has inferior talent at every single position compared to Germany and Spain. Yeah. There is not a single Japanese player you would take. I'm over to the think. starting no, 11. Not, not a single <laughs> one that I would take over either one of those countries starters and probably three or four, five guys deep on each, each team's bench. Okay. Just not, there's not just no, but they are a better team Yeah. and at world cup time, you have to know what you are doing. You have to have an ethos. You have to have a theory of how you want to play. That's something that's baked in your old article, right? Identity. Yeah. Identity Seahawks Legion of boom playing cover three under. We don't know what else to do. Nothing's working. We're going back to cover three under. If they beat us, playing cover three under then so be it they're better than us tip your hat and move on right Right. japan played their game um and germany just was bad i don't know i feel like mexico though i mean and maybe this is because the environment i watched the i watched a game with uh i watched a game at uh mazatlan a little mexican Mm -hmm. restaurant up here mount lake terrace and it's just the fans looked like they knew they were going to win and it was an utter utter they were confounded like you know that they're not going to advance <laughs> and granted i think they if i remember right they lost on some weird tiebreaker uh for advancement but sure. um uh but i mean they they didn't they didn't win their their last match i don't think no they Am didn't I wrong uh no i they wait wait, wait. that's not the game i watched though well, anyway what i'm trying to say is though like uh i Maybe I just know some people who like to watch Mexican games and they're making it out to be a big disaster because they have not. It is a disaster. It is a disaster. It is an epic disaster. If they do not, um, if they do not do something dramatic to change their, their, their position in world football. And this is, this is using their, their national league, the uh, Liga MX, which is very good league. Mm -hmm. Um, they need to do kind of what the United States did about 15 years ago when we implemented the um, 
the academy system. Klinsmann was right. Really, Jurgen Klinsmann was right. Jurgen Klinsmann was a clown, but he was said really we needed to do the. Uh, his, he he said a lot of things that were true. But he also said a bunch of stuff that was a bunch of hooey, and we don't have time on the show uh, for that. <laughs> That's going to be another, that, that can be another. He was right that you need to have your best players play in Europe. Um, but uh, that's, again, well, a different thing. Uh, so Mexico uh, tied Poland, but had worse goal differential. That's what it was. One. It was definitely a um, so, I mean, tiebreaker but, but here's the thing. I mean, Poland's a little bit better than Mexico, but, but really you can't, you, 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 you can't do better than a negative one goal differential. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, you should be able to pound on Saudi Arabia. You have superior talent again, top to bottom on your roster. Yeah, um, I mean, all right. Well, we got to get uh, running here. Any last thoughts? Sounders uh, have a new uh, GM, by the way. Um, yeah, Craig Weibel Craig we- uh, yeah. taking over. Um, former RSL guy, right? Former RSL, former RSL guy. He took over after uh, Loggerway left. And had to deal with the toxic uh, former owner, uh, Deloitte Hansen of RSL. And so um, I think he's a good, I think he's a good pick. He's a good talent evaluator. Um, is this the home run pick that I maybe, you know, Sounders fans wanted or whatnot? I don't know. Maybe um, I, I would have loved, I mean, if I was going to do a really deep search, I would have loved to get the, the guy that was in charge of the Philadelphia union to come in. But maybe he's not available. Is this this is um, more of a continuity thing, isn't it? It's a continuity thing, um, which is very Sounders. Um, they're all about really about continuity. Um, because uh, but, he was he was under Garth Blogaway, right? Yeah, yeah. He was the he was the yeah. technical director. So uh, technical director is a fancy way of saying the guy in charge of scouting and coaching. Yeah, uh, like training, training and stuff. So, um, but I think that he he's a good. Um, a good guy to do it. He's, he's been both in the front office as well as on the technical staff. He was one of the coaches for RSL before he went to the front office. So he has experience. He knows, you know, it's going to be one of those things where you have like, Oh, those pinheads in the front office don't know the first thing about soccer. I mean, he's a former player. He's, he's done basically all the jobs in soccer. So I think that uh, it's a pretty good, a pretty good hire. He was also instrumental in bringing in some of the players we've had the last uh, the last few years, including Jao Paulo. Oh, really? Um, okay. So yeah, yeah. I mean, like, um, uh, yeah. He's he's been he he's been around uh, with that. So I I think we'll see a little things a little differently than Garth. You know how Garth does things, but um, I think it'll be still very Sounders esque. I don't think there's going to be a, a problem there. All right, we're at the end of our show here. You got a shout out for the for anybody this week? I would like to give a shout out to the Pac-12 hooligans at the top of the conference who come up with the dumbest tiebreakers (laughs) um, and have done a a fantastic job of despoiling the best thing about the Pac-12, which is tradition. Um, Traditions tied to the Rose Bowl, traditions tied to the conference, uh, the the pride and the standards of it being the conference of champions and the, the top academic conference of of all the of all the sports playing you know conferences at the, at the highest level so um great job guys you're you're awesome and uh as much as it pains me to say this go utes because i hate usc more than <laughs> Utes. so um that's my shout out i'll give my shout out to the iranian men's uh national team the the stance that they took is an actual protest 
it's one with consequences and consequences that I hope do not manifest in a dangerous and uh, disgusting manner. And, um, you know, I, I, I hope they brought to light some situations that the rest of the world can get around and best of luck to them and their families. All right, guys, um, on, uh, we're coming up here with another show, uh, on Seattle sports union. Uh, but thank you for joining uh, me, Abraham Deweese. And on behalf of Richard, the Ram Michelson, we'll see you guys next time. Oh, by the way, check us out, check us out on, uh, iTunes, Spotify, and Captivate FM as well. Check out our website, seattlesportsunion.com, and check us out on social media, Seattle Sports Union, and on Twitter at Seattle Sports U. See you guys next time. <laughs>